This is the Worldly Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Luke. And I'm Holly. We invite guests on this podcast to explore themes of worldly wellbeing. And by listening today, you're joining the conversation. This week's episode features a conversation we recorded earlier in the summer with Tiffany Wallace from Slow Garments. She's someone that I found on my many an Instagram stalk. And she's quite literally taking on fast fashion with her own hands. Yeah, it was a really dynamic conversation that we're looking forward to sharing with you now. Let's go. So, hello, Tiffany. Hi, Holly and Luke. Hi. Hi, Tiffany. Welcome to the Worldly Wellbeing Podcast. Thank you. I'm really excited. It's my first ever podcast. Well, I'm so happy you've come on with us then. (laughs) Absolutely. So, Tiffany, could you please introduce yourself a little more formally? Tell us uh, who you are and what you're doing. Yes, um, my name is Tiffany and I run Slow Garments, which is a small, sustainable and ethical clothing brand. Um, I use sustainable fabrics and I make everything myself in my at-home studio. And yeah, I'm very passionate about ethical values and um, often call out fast fashion brands for exploiting garment workers. And um, yeah, it's very like noisy sometimes on my Instagram, um, depending when you kind of catch me. I really enjoy it. And it's honestly like my whole passion and hobby in one. I love that. I think I must have discovered you on a noisy moment on Instagram. (laughs) When I was going down my hole of fast fashion, like the world is coming to an end, I hate them. And I stumbled upon your Instagram and was like, who is this girl? I'm loving what she's saying. And then saw your company as well and the stuff you're making. Um, So I've been following you for a while and really happy that you could come along because we'd really love to chat to you a bit more about slow garments um, and fast fashion as well, because feel like we might need to pick your brains just to give us some information about that as well like I remember Holly when you came across kind of Tiffany and, and Slow Garments and I think you kind of in like direct messaged me on Instagram with one of your stories Tiffany saying you need to listen to to what she's saying like now um and and then I think re- almost straight away I was like she'd be amazing on a podcast like we would need to get her in it and kind of pick her brains and ask her some questions and, and kind of get her to share a little bit about um why you're so passionate about what you do um and and what where you see I guess impact so I guess my first question might be how did you go from it being a passion and a hobby? You mentioned it's both, it being both hobby and work, but how did it go from this is something I'm passionate about to this is what I do for a living now? Yeah, it, um, <laughs> it was really my hobby being sewing and then like all of the values of the business were all of my passions that had grew from learning about hashtag who made my clothes from Fashion Revolution and then I come across Remake our world which also um done the hashtag pay up campaign so when i was this was pre-covid so when i was learning about hashtag who made my clothes that was really what guided me to understand about ethical values and why that was so important in a garment um and at that time uh, before starting slow garments i was actually just selling bikinis on uh, like a really old depop that i had since I was like 16 or something. I have had Depop for so long. Um, And then, yeah, I had never even thought myself who made my clothes. I hadn't come across a 
as many as the garment tragedies as there have been, only the obvious ones like the Rana Plaza. Mm-hmm. So really I was had no idea about it at all. And then when I was learning about it, that's when I was able to get that more involved in slow garments. Um, I always wanted slow garments to be sustainable, um, but it was actually learning about all of from fashion revolutions, which are free resources, which helped me kind of guide into not only ethical values, but expressing them as a brand. I think there's so many, um, it sounds awful to say, missed opportunities in ethical brands who don't talk about it often enough with their audience to not only promote to ask who made the clothes, but also to talk about how their factories are so much different to what an exploitive factory looks like. And when you compare that into garments that you see, which may look to face the same, you actually wouldn't you wouldn't choose at all the one that was from the exploitative factory, but you have to put it to the consumer's face to see the behind the scenes. Mm. So it would be great for me to say, oh yeah, like this is what I'm doing. I'm making it myself. And when I employ seamstresses, I can say I've got five seamstresses. I pay them above their living wage. But actually, what is that without talking to you about the exploitive garments that are being made in the world, which are far more than my own garments and will always be far more because I will always be sustainable and I will never be producing so many mass-produced garments that are happening right now. So there is definitely um, a line of choosing what to say and how political it may be when it's actually just people's lives majority being women I am a woman my audience is primarily women and I just think why are we not speaking up to help each other more we're talking about women in business earning more money I've really gone on one now we're talking about women I'm loving this (laughs) we're talking about women earning more money in business but this is women who need to help other women earn more money in business. But we can't do that by like, just leveraging this massive divide between men and women. It's just continuing. And we can't say, oh, more women are now successful, when actually more women across the world are getting paid less than anywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. so that's, that's really um, how I just continue and that's what drives me more for slow garments now to make sure that I tell my audience about these things make sure that they're aware of it and why just having an ethical garment isn't just something to say oh it's another garment in my wardrobe it's actually a garment to be really proud of to tell your friends and your family I really love your passion for this Tiffany I think this is so important and it really struck me when I found your Instagram was slow garments isn't just simply a business that's selling clothes. You're kind of creating like a community and that's the sense I get on Instagram. Would you say that's correct? Yes, 100%. Um, That's really like what I've always wanted to do was to hopefully be able to build a website where we can have these kind of community conversations because I think that it's the community that you build who believe in the same things who then help you make those more conscious choices the same as like Holly you just said that you told your friend about so garments and then she just bought my one of my new dresses and it's that kind of influence that we have on people that we don't think about the same as um, when I recently filmed something just saying that the five closest people who you're around you can really encourage to make 
different choices and whether that be fast fashion or not or just a conscious consumerism choice um it's so important to think actually i have so much power and maybe one person might change their decision so it's not about thinking oh i'm going to change the whole world <laughs> um because that's not possible but actually changing a few people's decisions to go on and on and on and that is what builds the community having so many people who believe the exact same thing as you and i just think it's like the beauty in in the clothes as well knowing that actually the only other people who are likely to be wearing this garment are people who actually have the same beliefs as me. Mm. That's what I enjoy the most. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it's really interesting to hear that that community aspect, but also that kind of community that's educating itself, but also educating one another uh, and understanding, you know, growing in understanding together. Maybe a bit of gentle challenge, or sometimes less than gentle challenge, around where behavior ought to change. Um, and I think for me, that's what you've just said around kind of, you know, it's about the impacting and influencing one person or five people uh, is is really helpful to hold on to, particularly when coming up against like that monolith of fast fashion. You know, you, you can't tackle those brands as an individual, but the power of our power. And I, I wonder if we can speak just a, a little bit about fast fashion um, it's a, a phrase that we've used a little bit on the podcast, and we definitely use it with our friendship circles as well quite a lot. But it might not be broadly or, or widely understood as to what it is and what the harm and the impact is. And I wonder if you might be able to speak a little bit about, you know, how do you define fast fashion and what do you see as the, the harm that it that it brings to people, maybe the planet and ultimately everyone? Yeah, um, so fast fashion is primarily a garment that is made by a garment worker who would be normally paid under the living or minimum wage and um, made with like cheap fabrics, normally known as in a sweatshop. Um, and those garments are mass produced very quickly. So Zara in the 1990s were said that they was the first ones to say, oh, actually I can make this garment in three weeks. And since then, that's what it's been like, just constant. That's why I always say fast fashion is actually like so old fashioned because of mm -hmm. how it's still existing in a completely different world. What was in the 1990s, 100% could be different. The internet and everything, social media, it's all completely evolved since then. If the brand is saying, oh, this is sustainable, like all of the CARES ranges and all the other ranges that they call themselves, um, which is mainly greenwashing, you have to think that if this one sole garment is sustainable, how sustainable is it on a mass-produced scale? It can't be, which is what I always respond to messages saying when I have messages about Zara, ASOS, New Look, Primark, everyone who is doing the sustainable labels and ranges, that if there is one garment, you could say one garment looks sustainable, but how about when you put it on a scale to say, actually, they've made 100,000 of those garments, and all of those units are going from this country to this country, this country to this country, for like the tanneries, getting the yarns, the fabrics, dyeing fabrics. There is so much in place. And when it's actually on that grand scale, that is not sustainable. You, you, you can't even try to justify its sustainability on the label. There is no way you could possibly do that. 
So for me, from learning about all of the, from how fast fashion started to how it is now, it's about pushing forward quickly (laughs) to try and help um, the impact that is happening on the planet now. It's really shocking and you've picked up on some of the major things, but I really encourage people who are listening to just spend like five minutes just researching what is the problem with fast fashion because it's scary that it's not just the people who are making it um it's the environment and i read a fact that the carbon emissions from the fashion industry are more than aviation per year which is ridiculous and as you've mentioned the scale of the problems with fast fashion I mean, they're kind of overwhelming and terrifying. So, Tiff, you started to pick up a little bit on social media and influencing in that way. We have this paradox with social media where, on one hand, we're being encouraged by influencers and by brands. There's the visual of things to buy and that kind of excitement and that feeling of shopping and something new. But then the other side of the coin is actually we can use social media and harness it to educate people with the hashtags. So presumably for you, it was actually social media that helped you to learn a lot more. Yeah, social media is like where my whole community is. So I would be lost without it. Um, But with the influencers, it's so so hard to um, encourage more influencers to wear ethical and sustainable brands because there is always such a split divide as soon as an influencer wears something that's sustainable or ethical to them kind of receiving a backlash because most of their garments are actually not so what's the best is actually if we're a bit more receptive to it <laughs> and um, just really encourage it embrace it and kind of shout about it a little bit that's really interesting what you've just been saying and what I've heard for me is a bit of a, a personal challenge in that I know that I can be terrible for like demanding a certain level of authenticity and sort of saying, uh, you know, if you do not subscribe with your whole being in everything you do to these values, then you're fake. Um, And, you know, and I can't because that's kind of I'm my own worst critic and my own harsh. I judge myself quite harshly when I feel like I've fallen short in areas of sustainability or, or, you know, whatever it is. Um, But actually what I hear you saying is that really profound call to people to actually, we need to do a bit more building up of one another when we do make more positive choices and, and encourage people to make more of those positive choices as opposed to saying, well, in the next picture, you're wearing something from, you know, H and M or whatever. Um, and but it, it and, and instead of picking out where there's perhaps um, a, a mismatch, actually just saying this is really or a juxtaposition, actually saying this is really powerful that you've made a decision here to do something positive. And I've taken that as a bit of a personal challenge for me there. Yeah, no, it's definitely um, like I think when we're choosing sustainable values and thinking of being more conscious consumers, we're the hardest person on ourselves to then mm. mess up or whatever we call it. And then think, oh no, like, is it worth it that I just done all week? Just thinking about what you two have just brought up, how would you encourage people, Tiff? Because we're all in agreement that fast fashion, you know, is pure evil and we need to stop it. But we're also <laughs> in agreement that this is not going to happen very easily. 
you know, I've made some steps to say, okay, I haven't now for over a year bought anything new. And if I do buy something new, I'll really think about where that's going to come from. But for example, I'm a bit unsure what to do about my underwear. Unless you've got all the money in the world, it's probably going to be very difficult for someone to buy everything that is from a decent, sustainable, conscious business. How can we find some balance? Yeah, I think um, when you're first starting, sometimes you can make the decision rather quickly and then find yourself in the situation where you're thinking, oh, I don't have this for this event or um, something like that, or the underwear situation, because underwear is one that I hear a lot. So really, I think finding the balance is finding what's right for you and how you are happy with your consumerism. So at the start, it probably might be more hard because you're so used to being paid and then going on fast fashion straight away and buying some things or... Um, going to town and going in a particular shop and always buying something because you're used to always going to that shop and buying something. And I think to develop that, like I stopped fast fashion very quickly, but then I was very much an over-consumer and I had far too many clothes, far too many. So I didn't feel like I needed anything, but I wanted it. If you if you want something, defining what you want, defining what you need and actually analysing If you need it, then thinking all the different ways that you could get it by even like asking friends and family, um, not particularly for underwear. There are so many also like small businesses who are willing to help consumers who want to be more conscious and so many brands who are trying to branch out to get new customers by using like codes and things. If it's something that's unaffordable to you, then I would say look in the secondhand shop because Secondhand shops actually have, um, I used to have one local to me where they would have all of the M&S underwear. Maybe I was just, it was just like lucky, but they had all of the M&S underwear, like still in this packet, brand new, same with um, like socks, tops, everything. There will always be a way. It's just about finding the way that you can feel comfortable with and that you're not kind of going to be upset about. And it's actually quite a nice call to be creative. Yes. Because I'd never really... Something that I really appreciate that I've seen in the last few years is seeing charity shops as being cool and places that don't just smell funky, um, but actually are like a little treasure trove of clothing. And I know certainly like when Luke and I were teenagers, you know, honestly, I think we would have thought we're not going to be seen dead buying clothes from a charity shop. Growth, thankfully. Definitely been some growth. I think, sorry, I think maybe it's a bit different for men, maybe. Yeah, I was just thinking that as well, like, in the conversation, like, when I've been trying to engage with more ethical choices in my shopping habits, like, there is less conversation around sustainable menswear, and the stuff out there isn't always um, to my style or, or, or kind of, uh, I know it's t- shifting away from on trend, but even stuff that I'm like, well, actually, those are just basic items. That, fine, we all need like white t-shirts, um, but you know, sometimes I want to look like I'm wearing more than just a white t-shirt. Yeah. Um, so there are a couple of brands that I re- really love and have found, and therefore end up wearing most of their stuff all the time um, because I'm like, oh, it's it's all that I can buy. Um, but also, it's quite tricky. Um, it I found being a six foot four guy with a very with a slim build 
Yeah. Charity shops don't often have, or secondhand shops don't often have stuff that, I mean, regular shops don't have stuff that fits my my weird proportions. Um, So like charity shops definitely don't. Um, So I guess then for me as well, it's about like, well, you know, is there a local tailor that I can support? If there's a pair of trousers that fits my inseam, but doesn't fit my waist, uh, you know, can I go and get that tailored? I think for men, um, it's definitely different at the moment because the, I would say the audience is primarily women at the moment. And um, to try and move along, really, the more popular men's brands into using sustainable fabrics without ultimately having lots of pressure and voices to do that because a lot of women are using their voices towards like fast fashion, which that is primarily like aimed at us, advertised to us. But for men, I just feel uh, like the sustainability um, values are a bit slack at the moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. And I think, again, often we're painting in really broad brushstrokes here, but often, you know, if I think of male friends or male family members, clothing is often essential in that in society we're required to wear clothing, um, but it's not often for everyone um seen as that kind of what you were articulating earlier tiffany of like oh, i've been paid i'm gonna go buy something now i do have friends that do like to do that's what they do and that, but the majority of people i know who do that are women um and so there is a divide i guess in in kind of how people spend their disposable income lots of particularly straight male friends walk into kind of clothing environments think I just want the most easy pairing that I can get without giving it too much thought um and if you know it's great I want it to look like it's what that mannequin over there is wearing if that could just be taken off and put on me then that's brilliant and so there is that there's there's less of that creative engagement sometimes which means that I guess brands don't think that there's a space for to to invest uh in the kind of menswear ethically perhaps yeah i think um there's a lot less pressure on men's therefore the impact of the planet and the ethical values to kind of push to the side i yeah i hear the the call for men and brands to 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 work a little bit harder in 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 producing good quality and ethical menswear I think if a man said his top was made out of recycled fabrics that would be more attractive to him <laughs> Tiff, I wonder if I could pick up on um, something. Can you just briefly explain what greenwashing is? Because I'm sure that's a term that many people aren't familiar with. Yeah, um, so greenwashing is an advertisement. Portray the garment as more sustainable as it actually is. Um, so sometimes it will say sustainable organic cotton top, and then you look at it and um, that organic cotton top actually only has a small percentage of organic cotton in it. It's about um, trying to make the consumer feel good by buying something that's more sustainable that actually isn't. And as I say, even just the collection in itself actually screams not sustainable. So really, it's yeah, it's it's so hard because it's really nice to think that people are buying the clothes in good in the aim of doing good but really it's awful to try to tell consumers actually it's not I think that if the brand was really sustainable and ethical they would be telling you in deep detail everything about it and 
you just have to look at the tag. That's why I always say hashtag you made my clothes. Just look at the tag um, and you will see how much, um, like what the fabric composition is, what is really what's in your clothes. And then you will see where it's made as well. On social media during last year, there was a huge amount of pressure on small brands like myself as well um, to lower our prices because of the like uprise in supporting small businesses in aid of the pandemic. Constantly on Instagram, I saw so many brands, people saying, oh, you must put your prices down because I can't afford this and I want to shop sustainably and ethically. So how do I do that if I can't afford it? Like that pressure on the small brands actually kind of made some brands like really upset it definitely upset me when people would say oh would you reduce your prices it would make me feel like my product wasn't worth it and it's almost like you put so much hard work into that into that product I felt uneasy about my pricing at the start of 2020 I was nervous when I was releasing new things because we're so used to the fast fashion like mass-produced pricing and it's that that is actually like, as I said before, like the two tops, it's incomparable. I find it offensive (laughs) if you would compare me to a fast fashion brand because I haven't put a woman under exploitive terms to make my garments. And I have really tried so hard to do like to research all of the fabrics as has many other small brands who have like conscious foods, clothing, whatever it may be that they do. Um, If you're paying more, it's because there has been a lot more hard work to do it. Yeah, definitely. I think it's that kind of, you can't, the, the two systems are completely different. You know, the system that enables you to buy in the sale as was happening in with some online brands last year for like items of clothing for 4p like yeah. you can't compare that system that that process to a system that is rooted in sustainability it is like that phrase that you know you can't compare chalk and cheese like it, it, it's just completely different excess income isn't there for everyone but primark doesn't run on people who can't afford a pair of shoes that are sustainable so they have to go to Primark. Primark runs from people who have excess incomes of 100, 200 pounds and then you know there's that meme where it's like oh I'm going Primark to buy socks and end up with loads of bags. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it, it runs off that and like that is the difference. There's a hundred like there are two different worlds of people who cannot actually afford something to someone who is spending excessively and it's mm-hmm. that is the definitive difference to how fast fashion brands are continuing to run their business. But I feel kind of encouraged by what you're saying, Tiffany, in that they're not comparable. What we're trying to say to people is, hey, look, why don't you think about making decisions looking this direction where you put some money into something really lovely that you will value and treasure and that has been made in a nice way? Yeah, I think definitely as a consumer also, if you're thinking, oh, I'm going to buy this top because it's 10 pounds not that one that's 30 then actually if you're basing like the um the garment on that cost you're probably more likely to care for the 30 pound top because you're actually consciously thinking about your money therefore if you know that you spent 30 pound on that top you're thinking i'm looking after that top (laughs) forever because of how much it cost and of course there is the line of uh, buying a top for 
like two pounds and the cost is actually not on the top it's someone's life that has paid the cost for that top I feel like at the moment we're right in sounds dramatic but it's like a revolution and we've seen that really happen in terms of environmental consciousness and climate change and I feel like we're about to see that with fast fashion that people are starting to become switched on to that so I do feel really hopeful but this is not the time to slow down and if people who are switched on like please keep having those conversations yeah and people who don't know anything please take a moment just to educate yourself yeah, 100%. I think um, like Fashion Revolution, uh, the organisation, the charity, started eight years ago, inspired after the Rana Plaza when that tragedy happened and over a thousand people died um, from when the factory collapsed. And they believed after that that this wouldn't, you know, this wouldn't continue. Things would be growing. And since I believe since the start of Fashion Revolution from eight years ago, the fast fashion is progressing, um, but really in comparison, even just only being one year in business, I feel like this journey still has a long way to go. I'm, I remain hopeful. Every day I remain hopeful. Of course I do, otherwise I wouldn't have slow garments. But it's just, it's such a journey. And even though you're changing, like don't ever be hurt by somebody else not changing. Just continue to do what you're happy doing. Be conscious, like... Just do the best that you can do. I believe, honestly, if everybody hopefully continues to do that, then we will see some really big change. Yeah. Tiff, thanks so much for your time today. It's been really educational, but also really inspiring to hear of your journey and how you have approached such a a monolithic issue with such passion and commitment. Um, And that's really come across in our conversation. So thanks so much for your energy. How can people uh, find you online and engage with Slow Garments? So you can find me on Instagram, which is at Slow Garments. Um, and then on my Depop store as well, if you wanted to shop Slow Garments, it's just at Slow Garments as well. We will uh, put that information into the show notes. And I think we'll pop in some of those hashtags as well, because that's a really fast way, ironically fast way, to find some of the information and some of the stuff that you've been chatting about. Um, so yeah thank you so much thank you thanks again to Tiff for joining us on this episode Uh, it was great to listen back and hear the excitement and passion in Tiff's voice and in the work that she's delivering so do go and check out Slow Garments we'll put all of the information that you need to get in touch with Tiff and Slow Garments in the show notes And don't say that we didn't warn you that once you start flicking through her reel of tops and if you're a woman, mainly, sorry, ladies, I mean, sorry, men, it's mainly for ladies. But once you start flicking through, you will probably want to purchase one of everything. And you'll be equally challenged and informed by her updates on uh, how she is approaching the fast fashion crisis. So talking of Instagram, does anyone remember what we kindly ranted on about last week? We updated you on our new social media platform. Well, we didn't create it. We rather just created our own channel on it. But you can find us now with at Worldly Wellbeing on Instagram. So whilst you go to have a little look at Tiff and any of the other guests we featured in other seasons, make sure you check us out first. Please give us a little like, a little comment. That would be wonderful. Thank you. 
because it's a new little baby, so needs lots of attention. Needs nurturing. It does, and equally, whilst you're doing that, you can go and check out our, our website that is currently in the process of being revamped. We are adding our new and shiny logo and changing some of the way that we articulate who we are. So you can check that out on worldlywellbeing.org. Thank you very much. And so, as always, or, well, actually, this is the first time I'm going to tell you this, um, we will be announcing the next guest on the next episode via Instagram. It's basically a sneaky way to ensure that you go on our Instagram. Um, so we suggest that you keep an eye out to find out who we're going to have next week. So that just leaves us to say ciao for now and see you soon. Yes, yeah, see you next week. Ta-ra! Ta-ra!